Thanks for tuning in to the Berman Hour podcast, everyone. Before we go any further, please rate, review, and subscribe. Go ahead, hit the fucking pause button, give us five stars, write a nice review, and then subscribe. It does not matter where you're listening to this. It could be Spotify, it could be Apple Podcast, it could be Yo Mama's Podcast. <laughs> I don't know. But do it. Rate, review, and subscribe. The Berman Hour Podcast. Let's go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Berman Hour Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am very excited to present this week's podcast to you. This is a special one because it's a simulcast. It's a simul podcast, a pod simulcast, if you will. You see, here's what happened. I interviewed my friend Kristen Bixby from the Mabel Syndrome Podcast. And she interviewed me at the same time. And we decided that we were both going to share this interview on our respective podcasts in the hopes that our listeners would cross-podcastulate, a cross-pollinization of listeners of the Berman Hour podcast and the Mabel Syndrome podcast. So we really hope that you enjoy. And I highly encourage you. I recommend, I implore, I demand that you go give a follow, a subscription, a five-star rating, and a nice review for Kristen and everybody else who's working on the Maple Syndrome podcast. Now, the Berman Hour podcast is just a podcast. And yeah, I've got Divided Heaven and all that other shit, but whatever. I'm just doing my thing. But the Maple Syndrome, it should be noted, are doing real good in the world because it's not just a podcast. It's a website that has created a safe space for people to talk and deal with trauma to deal with being victims of sexual assault and assault. It's become a great sounding board for people from the LGBT community, for women in the punk rock and hardcore scene, and it's a tremendous, tremendous, but small and growing organization. I guess I shouldn't say it's small. It's small. It's run by a few people, but I should say that they have tremendous sprawl all over the world. So wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you follow social media, look up The Mabel Syndrome. And I hope that you enjoy my interview and conversation with Kristen Bigsby here in just a few minutes. But before I get to Kristen, I do want to check in with Jim, who is the well, the presidential transition is finally underway. For the Berman Hour podcast, we're fucked. He's letting us know all things that are happening in politics. Jim, what have you got for us this week? Thanks, Jim. This week's episode of the Berman Hour podcast is brought to you by, you guessed it, Flow State Coffee from our friends at New Wave. Now, Flow State Coffee is coffee blended with raw cacao and an amino acid that's called L-theanine that naturally reduces your stress and anxiety. And during these stressful and anxious times, I mean, let's face it, the holidays are stressful and anxiety-inducing to begin with. Now, more so during a fucking pandemic, dealing with a bunch of shitty people, it's even worse. So you're going to be drinking coffee. Let me recommend Flow State Coffee from New Wave. And let me help you get 10% off your first order. Trust me, you will love this coffee, and you will be ordering it and reordering it and buying it for gifts for people. Trust me. But here's what you want to do. Go to newwave.co slash berman, N-O-O-W-A-V-E, 
co slash b-e-r-m-a-n. It's great for you. It's a great gift for the coffee lover in your life. I highly recommend getting this for yourself or for someone that you know and love. Newwave.co slash Berman gets you 10% off your first order of this tremendous flow state coffee. I cannot recommend it enough. Newwave.co slash Berman. Get yours today. Let's go. So y'all remember spring of 2001, the good old days, when WWF bought WCW and Vince McMahon was on Monday Night Raw on the USA Network. And because they just bought WCW, they were also simulcast on WCW television, which is on Ted Turner's TNT Network. That's kind of like what this podcast was like between Kristen and I, in a weird way, because we do end up talking about wrestling, but don't worry about it. It's not too much. And it's at the end. (laughs) Anyway, please check out the Mabel Syndrome podcast and enjoy my conversation slash interview with Kristen Bigsby from the Mabel Syndrome. Let's get it. All right, Kristen. Yes. I texted you this morning. I was tired. You were tired. We decided on 10 a.m., it's now 10.14, so we're not going to hold that against each other. But you said you needed to pound a bunch of coffee to get this yourself ready for this podcast. How do you take your coffee? Oh, good question. With as much shit in it as possible. I like I like creamer and sugar with a little bit of coffee, my, which I know my, is terrible. <laughs> no, that's good. My brain went to that, <laughs> that terrible scene in Austin Powers. This coffee tastes oh, like no, shit. like with shit. Austin, it is <laughs> shit. <laughs> Oh, okay. So you like... No, there is not actual shit in my coffee. It's just (laughs) creamer and lots and lots of sugar. Um, Yeah. How do you take your coffee? You know what? I was influenced by somebody who's very near and dear to me. Uh, Her name is Pam Beasley. And there's an episode in the office where Pam Beasley is getting coffee and Mm -hmm. she gets it with just a little bit of cinnamon. And I tried it once about a year and a half ago. And I remember exactly where I was. I was in Hollywood. And I was going to get a haircut. That's not important to the story, but I'll. <laughs> so it goes. And I tried it, and I thought this is delicious. So and ever black with then, a little bit of cinnamon. Yeah, every once in a while, if if it's a special occasion, I'll put some coffee, uh, blah, some milk in there, or maybe some coconut creamer. But yeah, black with cinnamon. Wow, that sounds delicious. I just recently learned about coffee with honey. Mm. So, but you don't seem to like it sweet. It sounds like you don't like it sweet. Either, I, I don't know. Light and sweet is good. Like, I'd probably like it the way okay. that you make it. I just don't like getting into the habit of drinking that all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of treat yeah. that for when I'm, especially, put it this way, if I have a long flight and then I get to where I'm going and I get a cup of coffee, I put a shit ton of cream and sugar in it. As okay. A, as you a put treat. a lot of shit. You put a lot of shit in I it. I put a lot of shit in it, Austin. <laughs> <Okay>. Yes. <laughs> it is shit. Uh you know what? I bet honey and cinnamon is really good. But then it just reminds like I me of try that. No? Uh, I don't know. I like coffee. Coffee's good. But yeah, I'm not usually a morning um, podcaster. Are you? I try to get everything done in the morning. My best thoughts usually come in the morning. I find I'm too preoccupied wow. with errands and stuff in the afternoon at this point to actually okay. have the time to get anything done. I, I'm usually the most productive between about eight and 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So you actually, you brought up your hair. You have, you have really amazing hair. Oh, thank you. 
I feel like you've done ever. I don't, people that haven't seen Jeff don't, maybe don't know, but you, you've had various styles over the years. Yeah. You know, you have the kind of hair that you can do lots of different things with. I'm just grateful it isn't falling out. So because of that, I go through spurts where I just let it grow. And then I go through Mm -hmm. spurts where I try to get a little bit more creative and a little bit more stylistic. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I got married in February of 2018. And then after that, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to bleach my hair. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I was like, I didn't have any other, you know, uh, important life milestones that I needed to look proper for. And my wife was not crazy about it, but supportive. And I went for it. And then since then, I've just had bleached hair. And I did this usually every 10 years I would bleach my hair. And uh, now it's been about two and a half years that I've just had blonde hair. So you have it bleached and it's, it's curly and long, kind of longish. Yeah, it's getting there. It's, it's, it's getting there. Um, it's of the wavy persuasion. It's not so much curly. It's just very wavy. Yeah. But like I said, I am very grateful to have my hair, to still have have any hair. hair. Yeah. Yeah. No, a lot of my friends have, have lost their hair or they're losing it. And, um, you know, it's, Obviously, with everything going on in the world, it's yeah. not that significant. There's bigger fish to fry, but it's still something <laughs> that uh, Pete, Pete and Marulo and I, we always kind of have this uh, discussion whenever we're talking about protagonist stuff. Yeah. Because he has hair. He has the most fortified hairline you've ever fucking seen. <laughs> it's just, it's like an inch and a half above his eyebrows. He just has that strong Italian Sicilian vibe or that hairline. He's going to have right. hair, hair like that for the rest of his life. And his dad is like that too. His dad's hair is a little curlier than his yeah. or, or wavier, but yeah, just about an inch and a half, two inches above his eyebrows. He's got that fortified hairline. And it's not even white. It's just dark, dark yeah. hair. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned on a previous podcast that we're around the same age. Do you mind me asking how old you are? Yeah, I'm, I'm 38. Oh, that's what I was going to guess. I swear. Now it sounds like I'm just saying that, but I swear that's what I was going to guess. How old are you? 42. Oh, yeah. That's so the same age. You're my sister. My sister is 42. Yeah, the same same age. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, because you live in Boston, Massachusetts, how has Boston been in the last nine or 10 months since this pandemic began from your perspective as, as a mom and as somebody who's just out there trying to get your shit done, what has it been? Yeah. Like? You know, I feel really lucky to live in, in Massachusetts because it's, it's always a blue state, you know, and we have so many colleges here and for the most part, people are, are pretty educated and take science seriously. Right. So, (laughs) um, right from the get go, I felt like we were taking things more seriously than maybe other parts of the country. And we were masking up and our schools closed down and all those kinds of things. And, uh, I feel lucky to live in a, in a town that's generally blue and people are, you know, Biden supporters. I was able to see like Biden signs everywhere. And although it may have made me, I don't know, not realize that there were all these other parts of the country that were huge Trump land because I'm pretty insulated from it. Um, so it's a good thing, but you know, maybe it's not a clear representation of, or it's definitely not a clear representation of the whole United States. Right. Uh, so I feel like people are taking it seriously here. And that's made you, and that's made you more comfortable. Yeah, for sure. Considering that we're all in this together and it's, you know, 
That's how it Always feels. Always uncomfortable, yeah. That It feels like we're all in this together. Everyone wears a mask everywhere they go. In fact, I feel bad if I don't wear a mask. There's been a few times where I just think I'm wearing it, right? Because it's so commonplace now. And I just think I'm wearing a mask and I'll get out of the car and do, 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 go run my errands. And I'm like, shit, I'm not wearing my mask. And I feel bad. Like, I, you know, and everyone's kind of looking at you like, dude, you're not wearing your mask. Um, so there's definitely a sense of we're all in this together. Everyone's wearing their mask. Um, there's, you know, and then people will get upset if someone throws a party on our street or something. Everyone's like, oh, this family just threw a party and that's so not appropriate. And blah, blah. <laughs> um, so I, I, yeah, I, I feel lucky to live where I do. It's definitely getting worse right now. Yeah. Um, what's it like mis- in Lancaster? I made a mistake because I would have described my town and my neighborhood in the same manner that you just did. Yeah. Where everyone's masking up and doing their thing. But as I've been walking the dog recently, I've noticed it's kind of been like playing Frogger, trying to avoid maskless people. Right. And I'm, you know, when we moved here, some of our neighbors said, oh, there's this Facebook group, the Chestnut Hill Facebook group. And it's good. It's just, you know, an informational thing and it's helpful. Mm -hmm. And it's true. You know, you lost your dog or you're having a garage sale or you have a question about something. So it's all useful information. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's Facebook and and people's the worst angels of their nature come out on social media. So I had a particularly frustrating morning with the dog where I could not move fast enough to dodge the people in my neighborhood that were walking around that were not wearing masks. And nobody's mm-hmm. mean, but right. You know, and, and I can't even necessarily say that it's people that live in the neighborhood. It could be people from adjacent neighborhoods that are just walking through or walking on their way to work, whatever it is. But you know, I see people coming in and out of their house. I'm out with the dog enough that I had, had I felt like I had the right to say what I was going to say. So I posted this satirical thing about how I didn't realize that we had so many oh, doctors. No, on the community page? Yeah. I didn't realize, you know, we had so many doctors in the neighborhood. I'm so grateful because right. you know, obviously <laughs> they're not wearing masks, so they must know something that we don't. Yeah, of course. And the vitriol that I was met with on this oh, no. community board was disgusting. And then the Moderator messaged me and said, I have to take it down because people are now using your post to post in the comments about stuff that I can't medically verify. Oh, geez. And I was like, oh my God, what a fucking mess. These fucking idiots. So I have my days. Community boards are always like that, though. Yeah, that's that's true. But I I didn't make it as a political statement. And then other people tried to make it as a political statement. And then I got Mm -hmm. accused of living in fear. And, you know, that was. I'm like, yeah. You're like, yeah, I am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Rose. I am living right. here. You asshole. Um, yeah. So now it's just like, uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. I have my my days with it. I have other days where I'm okay, and then other days, but uh, but yeah, it's you know, I'm I'm the same way. And and now I was telling my wife this morning, I had a dream last night that I was with my dad, and we went to some like we were in Los Angeles, but we went to some like fancy schmancy school. That was for the rich children of people who have been like culturally canceled, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was a, it was created as a school where their kids could, you know, go and not be bullied. And it was this like uber wealthy private school. And my dad was trying to convince them to give me a job teaching the kids how to make cheese plates. This is a very strange dream, right? Oh, that's hilarious. I, it can only come from eating a big Thanksgiving meal that I had this right. awkward dream. And then at some point, 
I go up to my dad and I say, there's a shit ton of people here and none of them are wearing masks. And my dad looks at me in the dream and says, you're right. Let's, let's get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I woke up. Um, but it's weird how it's, it's seeping into my subconscious now. And it's something that I, I'm, I'm dreaming about like the same sort of, yeah. uh, fight or flight that kicks in as I'm just out walking the dog, trying to avoid these people who apparently know more than I do. And they're, right. It is know. like Frogger. And I get, I get mad. I'm like, if you're not wearing a mask, you need to be the one that moves into the street. You know, I yeah. like, get pissed at these yeah. people. I'm like, you're not wearing a mask. You can run over in the street if, you know, although I don't wear a mask when I run. Cause I am a runner. So I think you're moving at a different speed. And if you're, if you're moving that fast, you're able to dodge. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely move out of the way of people. Yeah. You know, the post that I made, and this will be the last thing I say about this post, but it was just a plea for common courtesy. Like I'm not exposing any sort of political thing, you know, and everyone just kind of took it the wrong way. And, uh, well, that's a bummer too. If you live in a generally liberal town and you think you're going to be met with some, reassurance about this is how I feel. And other people are going to be like, yeah, me too. And then you're met with all this, these disgruntled people. It's kind of annoying. Yeah. I'm just over the people who are not experts claiming to be experts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, and, and it's, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've been trying to reach out to people during this pandemic and, and talk on the phone and, and people that I would see maybe once or twice a year or every two years as I was touring a lot. I'm not seeing them now and I still love them and care about them. And I want to, as opposed to talking with them in a parking lot or a bar, you know, at at a show, Mm -hmm. I talked to them on the phone and some of the people I've reached out to have said some of the dumbest shit to me over the phone that I just, I I just kind of like, Oh, why didn't I about the pandemic? Yeah. And I'm, you know, like, Oh, and Dr. Fauci this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Yo, oh, like no. you're you're a fucking bass player in a shitty '90s punk band. You're not a fucking doctor. I just called right. to see how your family was doing and how you're doing. And now I'm in this awkward conversation where if I hang up on you, I'm the asshole. Yeah. Know. Have you experienced that as you've been reaching out? To I don't people? call people. Oh, you don't. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Fuck no, it. Let's- I don't. I, yeah, I don't call people. I don't. I feel like you know. Everyone. Everyone's dealing with this isolation in their own kind of way. And I've just turned more into a hermit, you know, like, cause I'm an, I'm an introverted person and I, I like my space and I should reach out to people more because it is starting to bother me. Uh, but for the most part, I've just turned more in, introverted and more of a hermit and, and, and that kind of thing, which sucks, but it just kind of is how I'm dealing with it. Fair enough. That's yeah. a defense mechanism. If if there is a, a list of them, that's one of them for sure. Sure. Yeah. Let's get meta for a second, if you don't mind. All right. Since you are a podcaster and I am a new, I'm a rookie podcaster with yeah. the How Mabel Syndrome. How many episodes will this be for you? Um, Nine, maybe. Oh, nice. Yeah. But as you know, I, I was doing the Berman Hour on Instagram Live and I did 50 of those. Yeah. Um, so that was Ooh. 50 episodes and before I transitioned into the traditional podcast format, which I probably should have done sooner because I had some great guests on the Berman Hour on Instagram Live. You sure did, yeah. That, uh, yourself included, but those episodes just, it's hard to catalog them because Instagram is not destination viewing. You know, my listeners have heard me r- rant about that before, but I, I did want to ask how you catalog because you're about to begin your fourth season of podcasting. How do you catalog a season? 
And should I be doing that? Because I'm not. <laughs> how do I catalog it? Like, like, how do you determine what's a season and then what's oh. the next season? How long? How many episodes? <laughs> there, is no, there is no rhyme or reason at all. Oh, it's, okay. So summer, summer heading into into fall. So like August, September is my busy time with work. Um, I work as a, a counselor for teenagers, and I specialize in helping families with the college admissions process. Actually, so I help kids like write their college essay, and if there's like some crazy family dynamics going on, sometimes you know, dad wants the son to be a business major and the son wants to be an art major or something, or, you know, one family member has cancer and they have to kind of talk about that through the college process and in various, there's a lot of kind of hot family topics that can come up with that. Um, and most families don't need a college counselor, but some there's, there's legit complicated things going on. Right. And so my busy time for work is August, September, October, kind of those months. So usually I take those off of doing the podcast. So it's not like, Oh, we're at episode 20. We're going to take a break. It's like, Oh, it's August. I don't care what number we're on. We could be on number three. We could be on number 27. It's just like, this is when I need to take a break, you know? And I, and I have gotten burned out a few times where, um, this is a lot. We've been, I've been doing Mabel syndrome now for five years. So, I, there's been times that I get a little jaded or I get frustrated or whatever it might be. And I just need a break. So there's no rhyme or reason to it, really. Are you thinking you want to be a little bit more clear about it? Cause we started out, we started out releasing one episode a week and then it went to one every two weeks. And now it's just whenever we want to release, we release. Yeah. I didn't do one this week because quite frankly, I could not get my shit together and I'm trying to not have it be dude after dude after dude after dude. So right. I have I have some interviews ready. Um, I have a, a great interview with Brian Forrest, who you know, ready mm-hmm. to go. And he said, just put it out whenever it makes sense, you know. And we tried yeah. to make it evergreen. I interviewed my friend Yotam from Useless ID a couple of days ago, but I just I didn't want to do another musician dude interview this week because it was Thanksgiving, and then I couldn't get the other. Uh, ideas that I had for this week to do kind of a short thing together. So this week is off and that's fine. I'm not putting any pressure on myself. I just, I don't, I didn't stop to think about cataloging anything as a season. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I'll just kind of do it until the wheels fall off. And if that's every week, great. If it ends up being every other week, that's fine too. Have you run into any other struggles or, or challenges yet? Usually finding time to just edit them down is is the real challenge. Yeah. The advantage of doing everything on Instagram live the only advantage was if it was good or it was bad, it didn't matter. It was done. When it I was, was kind of envious of that, actually. Just that you did it and you put it out into the world and it's done and no follow-up. Well, I liked that. The, the thing that – the whole reason, the germ of this whole idea was that I did a podcast interview. I won't mention who. And I didn't like the questions. I thought they were mm. really dull and it was someone that I didn't know, so he didn't have any real interest in me, I guess. And he didn't do his research. And I thought, I'm enough of an interesting person that I should be. And I'm I'm enough of a quote-unquote public figure because of Divided Heaven that sure. if people look me up, they can find out stuff about me and, and think about questions to ask. It's not rocket science. Yeah. So my background is journalism, so I just kind of looked at it as, okay, I'm going to ask people the questions that I want to ask. If you're making t-shirts or you're a musician or you're a podcaster or you're 
a, a school counselor or a politician. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just kind of went over the myriad of people I knew that were doing interesting things. And I thought, here's what I would ask you if I was eating dinner in your house, right. you know, and that was the approach that I took. But like I said, it, I was doing a significant amount of research for these guests, for these interviews on Instagram live that were falling victim to shitty connections and bad Wi-Fi and oh, right. kind of a, a not so great broadcasting platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to make the jump if I wanted to be, you know, take it seriously. And I wanted to monetize it, which was the thing and, mm-hmm. and get sponsors and kind of do that whole thing. And I don't know. I just, I guess I kind of wanted to sit at the big kids table. I felt like I was at the kitty table on Instagram live and then, Oh, interesting. You know, it, I didn't see, I didn't see it that way as an outsider. I just thought this is the way you're doing it. And I liked it. I liked it cause I could, I could interact with it and I could ask questions live and, and I just figured it was the way you were doing it. I didn't, I didn't see it as being lesser than, right? Oh, thank you. I mean, I, I love late night television and that was kind of how I wanted to model it where it was totally a yeah. balance between asking some really significant questions and getting some interesting answers. And then also it's late night TV. So how serious can it actually be? You know? Um, right. and, and so that was, that was fun for me, but yeah, the amount of research that I was doing needed to yield something bigger than a grainy, shitty quality recorded Instagram interview. It, sure. it needed to be something like what we're doing now for it to really feel like it was worth my while and for it to match the effort that I was putting into it. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do quite, I was able to do some research on you. That's, you're right. That's, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. You can just do a quick Google search and look up your Facebook and look up all this stuff, but it must be harder to do research on me. There's not a lot out there. Well, I mean, I was able to find stuff, but I'm also intrigued by what I don't find about people. And, and, and I think that you're, um, you know, because we're, we're friends outside of being podcast colleagues, you know, like Mm -hmm. there are things in your personal life that I think inherently reflect the work that you do on Mabel syndrome that I can then use to ask questions that I'm interested in learning about, you know, for example, Mm -hmm. one of those Mm -hmm. questions is, um, Mabel syndrome, I would say primarily is known for being a podcast, but it's also a website that has a bunch of information and spotlights these awesome women that are in our general quote unquote punk rock and hardcore scene that are doing a lot of really good things. Mm -hmm. But you also have a segment of your site that is devoted to information for people who are victims of trauma, assault, sexual assault. And I'm curious, was that kind of always part of the aim of what Mabel syndrome was striving to do was to offer not just a spotlight onto these women that are doing wonderful things, but a semblance of a safe space as well? Or was that something that kind of came gradually later as the idea yeah, evolved? It just, it, it just came as the, as the need came about, you know, sure. to our awareness. But, um, no, we started as, as kind of a, a PMA, like let's be positive and fun and upbeat and, and, that kind of reflect Jessica is my partner that I started this with. And she's, she is so typical Canadian. She's like, she's always upbeat. She's always positive. She's always like, let's look at the bright side of things, you know, and let's not talk about the difficult things. Um, and we make a good pair in that way because I'm the talk about the elephant in the room kind of person. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'll never forget one of the, 
first kind of interviews that I did was with um, uh, Authority Zero. And I don't know if you know, the the guitar player in Authority Zero lost his hand in an accident. And so he plays guitar, but he has, you know, he, he plays the chords with his left hand, but with his right hand, he strums with a, um, a paint stirrer that he attaches to his arm. And that's how he strums the guitar. And I'm just, I'm fascinated by this. I just think it's the coolest fucking thing ever. And I'm like, and Jessica and I, you know, she's like, I can, I can see her in my head sometimes like, don't ask, don't ask, don't talk about it. Like, don't, you know, don't bring it up. (laughs) And I'm like, I have to bring it up. It's cool. But that, that's like how I see people. I'm just like, I'm genuinely interested. And I would think if, you know, he would, I don't know if he didn't want to talk about it, I could kind of feel that out a little bit. Um, but I did. I brought it up. We had a really fascinating conversation about it. I just think it's I just think it's remarkable of him to still pick up the guitar, learn the guitar, figure out a way to do it. Um, it's just really inspiring to me. So, anyways, that's just a little bit of the personality difference between Jess and myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna talk about the elephant in the room kind of person. <clears throat> Sorry, but um we started out very PMA and let's just have fun with this whole thing. And then as it's been five years, it's come into my awareness because women reach out to me from all over the world and we get, I'm so sorry, uh, we get messages from people that are really thankful for Mabel syndrome. And then I also get messages from women that are, that want to confide in me about something really awful that happened to them. Yeah. And we have a we have a private platform on Facebook for just women and it's a place where women can kind of talk to each other and give offer each other advice and there was one post put in there and then all these women from around the world kind of said me too it was kind of like a me too post almost and mm-hmm. and people a lot of people said mm-hmm. you know i've never talked about this but uh, that happened to me as well, or I, you know, I was sexually assaulted at a show, or I was assaulted by this member, or I was, um, you know, groped at a show, whatever it might be, and it just it opened my eyes to I I had never been groped at a show as far as I knew, and I had never been roofied at a show or sexually assaulted, and in, in my whole life I've I've been so lucky, but as I was diving more into the lives of all these women that were interacting with Mabel syndrome, I realized it was much, much more common than I ever thought. And I just thought it was, it would be remiss of us as a women platform to not talk about these things. Um, as much so as we common, want. Yeah. It feels like it's so common that it's under, there's a, an understanding that that sort of shitty behavior occurs. Right. And, in some aspects, it occurs a lot more frequently than people realize. Right. And to not talk about it feels like such a disservice, you know? Exactly. Like, like if not if not us, who? <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> who is going to talk about these things? Um, so, yeah. And, there, you know, there's a lot of complicating factors. There's, there's cancel culture, you know? Generally speaking, I'm not into cancel culture. I want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I want people to be able to, you know, apologize or come full circle. Everyone makes mistakes. So there's, there's that whole argument. There's the, well, what, what could someone do that's so wrong? That's just like, no, fuck that person. Right. There's, there's certainly some of that Mm -hmm. and there's everything in between. 
and it, it gets complicated. And then, you know, bringing up people's names and, or not bringing up people's names and God, it's, it's just been, it's been complicated to figure out how to, how to manage this, but it feels like a disservice not to do anything. And that's why it's, <clears throat> gosh, I have the same thing as you. <laughs> It's morning. Yeah, no, it kind of caught me in, in an yeah. emotional uh, frog in my throat. There, it's uh, it's quite disgusting, you know. And, and I think that from a, a male perspective, from my perspective, mm-hmm. I wish that we could have. I, I wish that there was that conversation that y'all are having in your private Facebook group. I wish that that was publicly available, not your specific. Uh, sure. Private Facebook group, mind you, but just that sort of discussion. Um, I feel like that doesn't happen enough, kind of in the mm-hmm. general idea of. Well, I uh, did do one public post a um, couple months back that said, you know, raise your hand, do the little raise your hand emoji if you've ever been assaulted or groped or touched or, you know, anything at a show. And then, God, like fifty what was or the sixty. Response? Yeah, yeah, like at least fifty or sixty people, men too, um, raise their hands. So that was just to show the prevalence a little bit, you know, of kind of what happens. Um, and, and that's what I'm trying to do with conversations like this is, is let those women have their privacy on the Mabel Facebook page, but bring forth the general idea that this is something that's happening in our scene. And something actually you said uh, when we were doing one of our other talks together stuck with me significantly. And you, you said, you know, because I'm not a creep and I don't hang out with other creeps, I don't necessarily know that this happens at shows. Mm -hmm. And that stuck with me because there's, there's a lot of really great guys that follow Mabel syndrome and, or or just are in the scene in general. Um, and they don't realize that this stuff happens. So for, for me to say to them, you know what, it happens and you got to keep your eyes open and you got to check on the women, you got to check on the men, you got to check on everybody kind of when you're at a show, um, just to remind people like you who might not, you might not think about it because you're not doing that kind of behavior and you're not, knowing that you're in the midst of that kind of behavior, right? Yeah. And I remember when I said that to you, Kristen, I thought about it afterwards and I thought, you know, it would sound like an excuse if I told people, well, yeah, when protagonist is playing shows, we're not talking to anybody. John and I are arguing about bad religion records out in the parking lot, you know, right? (laughs) whatever. But like, that's, I realized afterwards, that's not an excuse. Like we need to be better arbiters of what's happening and we need to be more um, transparent about explaining to people that that sort of behavior is not tolerated. It's not accepted. And Mm -hmm. just because I'm not a creep and my bandmates are not creeps and, and my friends are not creeps, that doesn't mean that we can't be vigilant. You know, we we need Mm -hmm. to be more mindful of what's happening and be more um, upfront about it and, and, you know, just be better participants in the scene because if that's happening and we know about it, then we can do something. If it's happening and we don't know about it, but we assume that it's not happening, then we're part of the problem. Right. Yeah. That's, that's very, that's good of you because it is, it is something that everyone needs to address. And women tend to look out for each other. If I see a woman crying in the bathroom or if I see someone fall down or whatever it might be, I'm always kind of looking out for them, but, um, but everyone needs to, everyone needs to kind of look out for each other at the shows. Yeah. I, I want to take a second before we move on to play favorites. Um, because I was looking at essentially your roster 
of people on your site that are contributors and people that help you out and post a bunch yeah. of stuff. And um, so I think Alex, uh, who lives in Chico, California, I met her about a year ago when I mm-hmm. played in Chico. Uh, and she was great. And then also Riley, our friend who lives in yes. Orange County. Shout yes. out to Riley in Orange County. And uh, I hope to see you both again at some point soon. Is Alex Heartburn Records, Alex? He, yes. 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 Yeah. And Riley is super rad and, and her wife is super rad. Yeah. There, we have so many amazing contributors. Just And that's that's how it started was just um, any, you know, women have can talk about stuff. You know, we have a voice, we have things we want to say, and here's a platform to do that. So literally any women that feel like they have something to say, a blog post, um, that, that, you know, that they feel compelled to write, um, we would publish it. Like it's, it's, you know, it's open for anyone to contribute. Yeah, I, I never wanted it to seem like a club or a a cool girls club or any any of that bullshit. It's just anyone that feels like they want to say something and they want a bigger platform to do so. That's what it's for. It feels like it's the epitome of what the internet is for in our scene. You know, mm-hmm. because I have a friend in New York that started something kind of similar to this called For the Birds, and it was more of a collective, and it really came to be inclusive of other things like grief and, and, and trauma and, and all that stuff, but it was more, uh, flesh and blood. It'd be more in person, you know, because it was kind of created at the really before Facebook took the form that it is now taken. Um, but I wish that this kind of stuff existed in more of a readily available platform when I was a teenager and getting mm-hmm. into this sort of scene and getting into this sort of music. Um, and I think a lot of people would say that. So I, I give you and, and everyone that's on your team a lot of credit for the good work that you do and the safe space that you provide. Thank you. Because it's it's hard sometimes. There's a lot to navigate. <laughs> you know, there's the haters, there's the stupid haters. And I, I have thin skin. So if something gets back to me that you know, cause I'm like, I'm just trying to do my best. I'm trying to do something good. I'm spending my own money, um, to do the podcast, to do merch, to do all these things, right? I'm not getting any money from any of this. And, you know, so if I hear someone that's a hater, it, it really bothers me. Um, and there's not much of that. Like for the most part, it's 99% super positive, super great. It's just every now and then we'll get some dumb fuck that decides they want to comment on a post, comment on Riley's post or comment something super ignorant. And it just really gets to me. So there's that there's trouble with the podcast. There's, there's just all these complicating factors, you know? And, and at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm trying to do something good here. Like (laughs) it's not fair. So that's getting back to what we were talking about earlier. That's why I need to take a break. Sometimes I do need to step back sometimes and let the other women who, who support me and help me kind of post for a while, you know, I'll say, Hey, I'm having a tough week. Can you guys step in and, and do the posts for this week? And and they always do. They always have my back. That's awesome. So, yeah. I wanted to ask, cause I, I forgot what you do for a living. I, I, you had told me, but I, I honestly forgot until you mentioned it a few minutes ago, but mm-hmm. as a counselor and also as a mom, yes. I'm curious, you know, how does that help you kind of navigate the seas of dealing with shitty men 
in a professional capacity. <laughs> like you, uh, you and I have talked about off the record, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep it PG for the purpose of the podcast, but in terms of what you do for Mabel syndrome, what you do for the podcast for Mabel syndrome, mm-hmm. you've had to yeah. deal with some shitty people who's, you know, are probably in a lot of our record collections. How yeah. does your experience as a guidance counselor and as a mother help you navigate those troubling waters? Yeah. Well, I don't know about as a mother, except I'm raising two little boys that I am. It's more like that stuff helps me raise two little boys. It kind of goes the other direction where I'm trying to raise them to be good humans and good to women and good, good to men and just, just good people in general. Right. And teach them morals and values and what's okay and what's not okay. Um, so I, I can't think of a way it goes the other direction. But in terms of being a counselor, I mean, I've been a I've been a counselor for 19 years. So I've had, and I have my master's degree in counseling. So I've had to do a lot of training around, uh, gosh, trauma, um, gay, straight. You know, I was the the lead of the Gay Straight Alliance at the high school. So I've mm-hmm. done a ton of training around that kind of stuff. So just just supporting people in general and. And all of the training that I went through to be a counselor, I guess, um, plays a big role in how I, how I interact with Mabel syndrome and how I interact with, with people and my tolerance. I have, I have a zero, a zero tolerance for bad behavior. And my, my, as we were talking about with this cancel culture, I don't like cancel culture, but at the same time, if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, this dude's a bad dude they don't need Mabel syndrome as their platform. Like I don't need to give them access to me and my audience and that kind of thing. So I I have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to the, to the podcast and bad behavior. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Cause I just feel like I don't, I don't want to, and I'm not out there like bad mouthing all these people and, and we don't need to get into names or whatever, but you know, there's been a couple situations where, and and this is this is the trials and tribulations of having a podcast, right? I'm I'm not going to name this person, but I went through all the hassle to set up an interview with somebody. Did the interview? It was an amazing interview. Spent like an hour and a half on their tour bus, you know. And then I was literally in post production, like putting the whole episode together. When I learned about this shitty behavior that this person had done, and I had to scrap the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, four or five hours of, of work that was totally scrapped. Um, because I just felt like that person didn't, they don't need my platform. They have other things that they can go on. This was enough of a bad thing that they had done that I just felt like scrapping it. You know, they don't need us. We don't need them. And you don't want them. No. You know, you wouldn't have gotten on that tour bus initially if you knew that beforehand. Exactly. And and it's interesting because I, I had a perfectly fine um, experience with that person, right? But if, but if I see something publicly that they do or know of some bad behavior that they've done or whatever, fuck it. I don't, I don't need them. I don't want anyone to associate Mabel syndrome with giving that person a voice or a platform. So I've, I've said from day one, you know, if there's something that, that I should know about somebody that I've had on Mabel syndrome or, uh, you know, I've scrapped interviews. I've had, I've had them scheduled. I was about to walk out the door and I had this, this thought to reach out to this woman that I knew had been associated with this band. 
I don't know why it was something that was just eating at me. And I reached out to her and I said, Hey, I know you're friends with this band and, and can you give me some, some scoop or something? And she was like, Oh no, I am not friends with that band. Uh, all this shit went down. Here's, here's the whole story. And I was just like, (laughs) and rewind and didn't go and do that interview. Um, so there's, yeah, the, it, it's been an interesting five years in that regard that we've had. And it's only been a handful for the most part. Everyone has been super kind, super nice, respectful, pleasant, you know, all the things. Um, but if somebody does something that I don't think is is a good thing, then I'm going to take them off of my platform. It's my platform, so I can do what I want with it, right? Yeah, and you have that right, and you have that autonomy, and mm-hmm. you're the one footing the bill for it, so exactly. you make the call. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, do you, how do you plan to tackle that? Like, if there's somebody that you want to interview, and maybe somebody comes to you and says, hey, that's not a good person, they did this and this. I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I love doing the Berman Hour podcast, but I don't need to. Right. I just, I just don't need to. And there are people that I know I could talk to and I go out of my way to not talk to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, this is, I'm working on a new record and I have this song uh, called creep that is about, a few people individually whose names I will not mention, but <laughs> it it's kind of along the same lines of what you're talking about with, with mm-hmm. this, where it's like, y- you're aware of this behavior, you know, like, right. It, it's, it's disheartening and it sucks. And, and it's at a certain point you need to, you know, not do that interview. You need to not play that show. You need to not associate with that band. I need to yeah. not. And the same for me, I'm, I'm saying this is, the, mm-hmm. the royal you, not just you, Kristen, but right, right, uh, right. both of us, you know, like that's, that's where we need to draw the line. But and also so. people can change, you know? And so if somebody was behaving badly at a warp tour in, in 97, you know, I'm like, if, as long as they've been a good person for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a very long time, I, I do think people can change. I do think, you know, I'm not going to hold something like that against somebody, but if I hear, something that's just continued, there's, there's patterns, there's patterns, patterns of behavior that can be concerning. Mm -hmm. And that's what I don't have any interest in. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you have overall goals for your podcast? I don't think I do actually. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to people. Nothing came to mind when you asked me. I, yeah. No, I, I, my main goal is to become a better interviewer and to become a better podcaster. I would mm-hmm. really like for my podcast to be in a network of podcasts that could help shoulder some of the weight of the promotion and publicity that I don't mind doing, but because I do it for Divided Heaven already, a lot of it feels kind of like I'm double dipping and that gets a little frustrating at times. So because of that sort of I, I don't know. It sounds very, it sounds like an HR problem, but it, it really is because of that sort of hurdle. I would like to, a, a goal of mine is to be involved in some sort of podcasting network that can help shoulder some of that weight. But otherwise I just want to get better at my craft and I want to have mm-hmm. interesting conversations with people that are not based around things that I don't find interesting, you know? Sure. Uh, 
I have a lot of great friends who, you know, have said something like, oh, you should have me on. And I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, like you're on my list, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like some of you're the best people I list. know are like just not interested or not interesting in that capacity. I find what sure. they're doing interesting on a personal level, but right. I'm not interested, you know, in talking to, you know, like my friend Alex, who's an attorney, like right. <laughs> he's, he's great. I love him. He's one of my best friends. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know what? He probably has cool stories. You just can't talk about them. They're all incriminating against me, though, Kristen. That's <laughs> that can't happen. This is a college right, friend right. of mine. Yeah, oh. I no, I've used him. I've used Alex as an example a couple times in that capacity, where I'm just like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So if he hears this, I know he'll be laughing at it. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I you mean, really, like goals. I, I I'm not putting a lot of expectations on on myself for this, but to ask the best questions that I can ask. And that Mm -hmm. I feel is what will set me apart from my peers who are doing similar podcasts. Sure. You know, it was interesting when I was doing research and, and I know divided heaven full. First of all, you have an amazing new song out. So I really love the new song. Um, and I have another question about that, but, uh, there's so much, there's a lot of political stuff in, in the divided heaven catalog. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I saw that you went to American university and I was like, ah, okay. That makes sense. So you went to American university, like when in the late nineties, early two thousands, 2000, 2004. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. And then you went to Berlin as well. Yeah. AU had a pretty good study abroad program that was uh, reciprocated with a number of schools, you know, around the world. And uh, the Frey Universität, the free university, not literally free, but right. free as a non-communist university that was in uh, Berlin was one of them. And it didn't have a language prerequisite, which was a saving grace for me because I'm not really good at other languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Do I, you know I, German now? No, I, I'm pretty good in front of a restaurant menu, but I, okay. I can't speak or, or I, you know. I could get myself out of a shitty situation, I would say, without dying, mm-hmm. but no. But but yeah, I mean, my time at American University was, it was impossible for it not to be political. You know, within yeah. the first few months that I had been there was Bush v. Gore, and then the fallout from that, and then the beginning of my sophomore year was 9-11, and then- oh, right you know, the next year was kind of entirely around this idea of weapons of mass destruction and then the impending illegal invasion of Iraq. And then towards the end, it was kind of this belief in, in you know, your statesman, John Kerry, and mm-hmm. then that election, and then that didn't come to pass. And so it was an interesting tumultuous four years, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine what it must be like to be a college student during the Trump years. But during the Bush years, it was not entirely easy either. Right. And it made for, I don't know, but to paint it positively, it, at the very least, was a very valuable learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, Divided Heaven, I, I've said this a few times, like not I'm a I'm a very political person. Jeff Berman is a very politically driven person. Mm-hmm. And therefore the art that I do is inherently going to be political, but it's not 
kind of bash you over the head politics. I went that way with the new song, They Poisoned Our Fathers, which I released in October, but that was specifically on purpose. But all of the other records that I've done have quite a lot of politics in them. It's just not direct. It's, it's a little bit more um, kind of with a veneer of, I, I, I tried to write songs that could be perceived as political as easily as they could be perceived as personal. Mm-hmm. And then for this, you know, I just kind of tore it for it. Yeah. Because <laughs> the last record that we did cold war, all those songs were written, you know, I had them done before Trump was uh, oh, okay. inaugurated. So uh, yeah, there's political stuff in there, but it was written at a different time. And, and, you know, like there's just a different tenor to America under Trump than there was under Obama or Bush. It's just, things for just sure. feel differently. And I needed songs that kind of reflected that. And so that's what this new record is. And of course it won't come out until <laughs> Joe Biden is president, but I'll, yeah. th- that's a trade that I'll gladly take. Yeah. Are you done with the new album? Like you're just kind of, is it in production and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I had plans to finish recording it in March and April with a few people in Los Angeles. Obviously, well, not obviously, I chose not to do that because I felt it was unsafe. Mm-hmm. And so that put a hold on everything. And so now I'm working with producers, you know, through email and sending tracks back and forth. And that's just a little bit more time consuming, but I, I think it'll be well worth it. And I'm working with some great producers that I would have not worked with otherwise if I, if there was no pandemic and I would have finished the record and, um, sure. you know, but yeah, I finished writing the record in March of, of this year. Oh, and, gotcha. um, cause I had a deadline, you know, I, I gave myself a deadline of essentially around St. Patrick's Because you were Day. going into the studio. Exactly. Cause I was getting yeah. ready to, to go and hit the, hit the button and put it to tape. Yeah. Um, and Lydia Loveless is on the new song. Yes. How did you decide to bring her on and how did that come about? Well, we met kind of by happenstance. She was at a show of ours in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. She lives around those parts now. And I've always been a really big fan of her music and she's original in that she's very vulgar with what she sings about. I, I say it's vulgar. I don't know. Maybe that's not the right word, but she's uh, she's she very prov- sw- yeah. pro- provocative lyrics. A lot of times they're overtly sexual. And mm-hmm. I think that that's badass that, mm-hmm. that she sings like that. And, and she, she has is a, badass. And she has a great voice and she's a great songwriter to boot. So, you know, when I was putting this song together, a lot of it comes from the perspective of the female, the, the daughter of a Trump supporter was really mm-hmm. the perspective I was going for. And there were certain lines in the song that I wrote and in my head, it would be a female singing it. So when it came time to actually put the song together in production, there was the way the song kind of was structured. I thought if I'm going to have a female do this, it really should be the bridge. Cause I think that would make the most stark contrast and sense. And I just kind of went through my mental Rolodex of, female singer songwriters that I know and she made the most sense because mm-hmm. of the provocative and overtly sexual nature of the lyrics that I had written. I thought they were right up Lydia's alley and yeah. thankfully she, she agreed to do it and, and I'm grateful. Do you kind of ask and then hold your breath? Yeah. You know, like when we met, like we just kind of, you know, on Instagram DM every now and again, just about, you know, whatever or 
if mm-hmm. she released uh, you know a new song, I would compliment it. And her partner Casey, um, the magician Casey, the magician who's great as well. I've just kind of stayed in touch with them. Like I'm, I'm like yeah. that. If I meet people on tour that I genuinely like, and I start following them on Instagram, like I might send you a message every now and again. And I wasn't, you know, doing that because I thought. Someday I'm going to have Lydia on my record. (laughs) I never thought that, but around the beginning of September, I I really kind of had this idea. So I think I wrote to her as almost kind of as a a Hail Mary to see if she was interested and she was interested in, in doing it. So I just kind of tried to make it as simplistic and, you know, that's all the, the boring stuff about how to, you know, record at home and all that bullshit. But yeah, no, I think I think I find it interesting. I, I actually I was watching the video, and one of the things I think about, I, I when I see my friends in a music video, it always kind of makes me laugh a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, but but it just I I could never do that. I've been asked, you know, recently because everyone's doing these kind of from home music videos, you know, where they ask people to contribute and kind of sing along and and. Uh, whatever. And I always feel so awkward. So do you feel awkward making music videos or do you feel totally cool with it now? I feel awkward in the same way that I feel awkward when I'm getting a tattoo or I'm getting my haircut where I'm just sitting there. I'm sitting there thinking, I hope this actually looks like how I want it to look. And so I'm in that anxious, awkward state of being the mm-hmm. entire time, but I, I'm not actually awkward in the moment or doing anything that's asked of me. Um, and obviously like I just set up my camera and, and filmed myself singing with an unplugged microphone. So right. there was nobody else <laughs> in the room. Um, so that made it a little easier, I guess, but no, I, well, I don't look, get awkward in that setting. It's just yeah. more about like, once I send it off, I have anxiety about if it's uh, going to work or if it's going to end up looking like how I wanted it to look. Yeah. Well, it looks really cool and natural. So I always, I'm always like, how do they do that? How can you just kind of slip into that? You know, I don't know. It's like acting in a way, right? I mean, it is, it's lip syncing. So you have to sell, you have to sell how you feel about a word that you're singing without actually singing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think some people do it. That just blows my mind. I mean, some people can do it and you can do it. A lot of people can do it. It just totally, for those of us that can't, (laughs) it kind of blows my mind. I mean, this is the first song in a long time that I wrote. The first time I heard the the mix and and Mm -hmm. it really, I think there were two versions of the mix. There really wasn't anything that was changed because Charlie Stavish just nailed it pretty much the first try. But the first time I heard it, I just bawled. I, I oh. it was like the, I, I knew that this was an important song for me. I knew it was a powerful song mm-hmm. and I wear my political heart on my sleeve and mm-hmm. I needed this to to pack a punch. I needed this song to be, even if it's only my opinion, I needed it to be the best song that I had ever released and the best song I had ever put out and and put forward. Mm-hmm. And the first time I heard it, I was so moved by it and I felt so relieved that it accomplished what I needed it to accomplish just with it within my own heart mm-hmm. that I felt vindicated <laughs> and, uh, That's awesome. yeah. And that, that brought wow. about some tears, which, which felt really good. Yeah. So because awesome. of that, yeah. Because of that, 
being able to like set up, you know, my camera and lip sync it in, in my room here, you know, like I, I've been waiting to do this my entire career. Like, yeah, people can't see because of the world. People can't see me actually belting out this song on stage. So I need to put that energy and that effort into pretending to do it for this music video that hopefully moves people in the same way that it moves me to to write it. Eventually, people will be able to see you perform it. Eventually. Eventually. And I'm going to put it at the end of, I'm going to put that song at the end of um, my podcast, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, please. I'd be honored. Thank you. Good. Good. Well, it was, it's been lovely to talk with you again. Yeah, likewise. I'm super stoked about your, your podcast. Thank you. And I, I appreciate, uh, as we say in the wrestling business, the rub. because you Ooh, know, What's that? Well, like you are, <laughs> here, I'll explain some wrestling lingo to you. So okay, the Mabel you. Syndrome is a bigger podcast, a much bigger podcast than the Berman Hour. So I'm the rookie. But because we're in this wrestling match together, I'm getting the rub from you. I know it sounds kind of weird and dirty, but that's not how I mean. <laughs> no. Because you and I are doing this joint kind of podcast together. Right. Oh, it's rubbing off on you. You're kind you're of? you're sprinkling the Mabel Syndrome dust on the Berman Hour podcast, which is gonna hopefully help our audience grow. And then mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, you know, you will be rewarded at some point in the future when a podcast that's bigger than yours does something like this, you know? Yeah. And then at some point when the Berman Hour is bigger, I can do this for somebody else's podcast. And that's so if I go on a bigger podcast, I'll be getting the rub. You'll be getting the rub. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it can also be, if, if that's a little too strange to say, or it makes you uncomfortable, you can say that, uh, you know, you're, you're putting over the Berman Hour podcast, which means like you're going out of your way to like, give me the shine and make me look good. And oh, okay. I just want you to know that, uh, me, myself and I at the Berman Hour podcast greatly appreciate, uh, being put over by the Mabel Sunday podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the that's pro- awesome. professional wrestling vernacular that you didn't know you needed on Black Friday, but yeah, yeah, I like it. That's awesome. Um, well, thanks again. Tell people where they can find your podcast at the Berman Hour, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Easy peasy. Yeah, just right like on. Mabel Syndrome. Yeah, I can type yeah, that in anywhere with, and it shows up. Same with Mabel. Yeah, we're on Spotify and iTunes and all the places. All the places. And there you have it, my conversation with Kristen Bigsby from the Mabel Syndrome and the Mabel Syndrome podcast. Please check them out and all of the great work that they do. And until next time, I'm Jeff Berman from the Berman Hour podcast. Let's get it.